The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. special holiday gift guide week here on the Brandon Peters Show. Over the course of the next three days, we'll be taking a look at items and special deals that may make a great gift idea for that geeky pop culture family member, loved one, significant other, friend, roommate, co-worker, extramarital affair buddy, person that knows a dark secret about you and you're trying to keep quiet, or hey, treat yourself. Each day I'll be joined by a different expert in the field as they will help guide us through these waters. Today, we'll be looking at games. Leading us through the charge is hashtag my favorite gamer and the host of the Literate Gamer podcast, the magnificent Nick Rust. Uh, well, uh, thanks, thanks for having me. I, I feel obligated to point out that you know, mentioned that I was going to be your resident expert for games on this segment. I thought it would be funny if I tried to do a Steve Irwin impression. Uh, and was like, crikey, look at that game. But then I was like, no, my, my, my Steve Irwin impression is terrible, so don't do that. Instead, I'm going to do this bit where I explain the joke that I thought about in a meta way that makes it seem funnier, but it's really not. All right. Yeah, I don't know yeah. where I was going with that one. We're so. going We're going with it. You could have come in like, cool, I, this one's off. Amazing. <laughs> we can only go up from here. So, yeah. I haven't played I'm a game in five years. Yeah. Really? But no, not me. No, not me. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you could have. You could have. You could have introduced yourself with that. Like, I don't know why you brought me on here, but all right. Yeah, I that just got been a 60, I just got a Nintendo sixty four, but okay. Yeah, that would have been better. <laughs> so yeah. you, and I, you and I, we've known each other for like what three or four years now. I would say around there. Yeah. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. It's been that long. And you're one of the ultimate trivia chips for my old podcast called Cinema Cavalcade. That. While you were never on an episode, you were on the one that never, ever made it to the pod waves, the Attack of the Clones speed read for oh, the live gosh, show yes. at PotCon 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got a lot of roles, but of course, I, I, I got stuck with Jar Jar because somebody had to do it. Yeah, yeah, it was the so, best role to have. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, we had to do it. movie is awful. <laughs> we, uh... Yeah, we did that. Uh, it kind of, sort of happened. It was in a terrible... It was when they had the terrible area for... I mean, they're all bad, things. but yeah. that one was especially bad. It was that cat... Like, you could hear clanking of the, yeah. like, the food and stuff, and it's like, all right, but... Hey, some dude really loved it because we all signed a script at the end of it. <laughs> Do you remember? I like, don't I wanted, remember that. He wanted all our autographs. I was like, Nick, he wants you to sign it. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't remember that at all. Like, yeah. yeah. Ultimate trivia for that show that you were on it but not yeah so uh but it was recorded back then and you're one of the hosts of literary gamer i am provides insightful and pretentious criticisms of video games gamer culture movie music canned meat products and whatever really what do you think so how long has literate gamer been around wow i think it's been four years now 
that's a long time when you it think is. about it. Mm-hmm. I think we just uh, we just released just past episode two hundred. I think. Oh wow! Yeah, they're not all full episodes anymore. We we used to release weekly for about a year and a half, two years, and I just couldn't do that kind of schedule. The amount of content we were cranking out. So we have we do two full episodes. Uh, a month now and then Jonathan does a platformer short in between because I famously hate the entire genre of platformers and I never want to touch another one for the rest of my life. <laughs> so that's been kind of the, the the approach to the show so far and it's been working out. When we started, we had this idea of bringing on a lot of authors that gamed to talk about their favorite games while they like mm-hmm. talked about their books and stuff like that because, you know, full disclosure, my co-host is a self-published author. Mr. Jonathan Small. Right. You know, beyond him. And then we ended up getting better, better interview because we actually started to be able to to punch up over weight class and get some real actual interviews with like real people involved in the industry. So we were like, let's do that when we can. We don't get to do them all the time. Other than that, we just sit around and talk pretentiously about video games. There you go. There you go. And is it drop like once a week or is it just sporadic now? Yeah, or? Or we, yeah it's a, it is a weekly release of some form. What have been some of your favorite like heights of the show or n- memorable episodes or ones that you really like? Oh, yeah, that was that was peak literate gamer right there. That was some of the achievements you've had oh, throughout yeah. the history of the show. Uh, my favorite guest of all time. We've had him on twice. We're going to have him on again hopefully soon is Tarn Adams, the creator of Dwarf Fortress. Dwarf Fortress is really more of a piece of art than it is a game, Mm -hmm. uh, because I would argue it's not really that playable, but it is a fantastic thought experiment, and he is an amazing guest. I have never met a less pretentious person in my entire life who really just wants to talk about making games and dwarfs, and he's a hell of a lot of fun. We got Ken Levine on, uh, which is the guy who created Bioshock. Uh, That was pretty good. We've had in the in the tabletop RPG space, because I don't like to limit myself to just video games. We do a lot of video game content just because we can get more mileage per episode on one of those. Mm-hmm. But we do a lot of tabletop stuff, too. Uh, we've had Jonathan Tweet. We just had uh, John Harper on, the guy who did Blades in the Dark. We recently got our first voice actress on. Oh. Actually, I say that, but she was actually our second voice actress because we had Michelle Bobak on originally, and then we had Cassie Layton on recently cassie layton was the voiced female protagonist of the game greedfall which is fantastic one of my favorite games of the year last year michelle bobak is also a voice actress but we actually had her on because i was talking to her husband who is elias Tufexis on twitter he's a very famous voice actor and he's been in a lot of games and i was talking about how much i love far cry primal and he admitted he had never played Far Cry Primal, but his wife had. And so I invited his wife on the show to talk oh. about the game instead of him since she actually played it. It was a good episode. Interesting twist. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's a musician, too. She's like a session musician. Okay. And she does a lot of like multi-genre stuff for different mm-hmm. TV and movie soundtrack stuff. It's pretty okay. cool. That's cool. Do you guys do any like Twitch things or like live playing? for? A- no, uh, it's a really its own thing. <laughs> like it's for real gamers. <laughs> well, no, it's just it's not the it's not my that's not my platform. I'm not real effective there because a Twitch to be a good and effective Twitch streamer, you've got a your minimum runtime has got to be like three to five hours per session, sure. and you've got to do it 
with astonishing regularity, like three to five times a week. <laughs> and it is just, it's yeah. grueling hours and it's so hard to build an audience and you've got to establish this way of talking and, and in just ways of keeping people engaged as they're watching. And it's like, none of that stuff. I'm not really, I'm now, I, I, I was like, maybe I'll try right. it. And no, mm -mm. Yeah, and, you know, it's not not every aspect of everything's for everybody. But would you consider like a literate gamer got to it like having like a special event to play with you guys or? Yeah, yeah, we have we have thought about doing that in the past. We've just never done it. I've thought about doing charity fundraisers for various causes. Mm -hmm. I actually had an idea to do one here recently too. I should probably do that before this whole COVID thing like goes away. Well, I've got the time, <laughs> but we'll see. Take advantage of that pandemic. Right? right. Yeah. Uh, and you also, for a short time, I don't know if you're still, I think you're still exploring, but you had the spinoff Literate History. Yeah. So Literate History never really got off the ground. I did three different versions of it and I still haven't been able to find, now this is, this is me going to, I'm going to get a little nerd, but you're going to like, this is, a, this is the thing. It's kind of allowed to, here. <laughs> right. You're going to be able to follow me on this one because you're also a podcaster. Now, the principal problem I've had with literate history is a framing mechanism mm -hmm. because I am not a historian by trade and I don't want to do a Dan Carlin because he's cool, but I honestly cannot stand him. Like I can't listen to Dan Carlin for very long. and His mm -hmm. stuff goes on forever. I find two people way more engaging. I find a dialogue way better than a monologue because when a monologue approach, especially to something as dry as history, it just drones on and on and on so i said okay if i have to do a monologue maybe i'll do it live and maybe i'll do it more off the cuff so it sounds more like a cross between like stand-up comedy and like a history lecture well that didn't really work so i'm back to this dichotomy approach for a dialogue one of my ideas was to have reoccurring guests on that are stand-up comedians hmm but the thing about stand-up comedians is they don't know shit about the Russian Revolution or the Soviet Union. So that was going to prove a little difficult for the source material we had to cover. Right. <laughs> so it's still there. I'm still working on it. I will eventually crack this nut, and it will be the history podcast that I have not been able to find so far. And that's why I have made it because that's what I did with Literate Gamer is I made the game podcast that I wanted to hear and couldn't right. find. And that's how you do it. That's how you do it with podcasting a lot of the time. It's right. Make the show you want to hear. Yep. That's basically your best guide to doing that. You learn from ones that you listen to and you take, you're like, you know what? I, I would want to hear this. There you go. That's, that's your spin on the show. Yeah. Um, I think I think my next approach is I'm going to try and track down an academic with at least a modicum of I don't know radio charisma. Ideally, someone who works somewhere in the the space that I'm dealing with that season, mm -hmm. and try that. That's my next pitch. I just have to find my expert for season one. You're at the point of uh, what throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks right now. Yeah, like I've got all these prior attempts rec recorded, at least some extent. It's just they didn't work, so I didn't use them. So I'll get there eventually. Right, and yeah, you and I tend to talk about this kind of stuff. We used to back in the, back what we call it like back in the before times. Is that what we call it? <laughs> and a long, long ago, a long, long ago, we uh, you know you you attend podcast indie, which I co-manage with Brad Shoemaker. 
And we have a lot of these kind of chats there, which we used to do once a month. And now you and I haven't seen each other probably since last year. Uh, <laughs> no, we we saw March. March? Right before? Yeah, right, right before, because the sick people came. Okay. And I'm an NPR nerd. And I was like, oh, I'm totally going to that. And then like literally the oh, next week. Oh, that's right. That was the last one. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was a good one too. Yeah, it was. It was a fantastic one. That was one of the best ones. Yeah, but uh, there, yeah, where we talk stuff. And I want to just like take a second and thank you and Jonathan, your co-host, for being like a, a nice ear for me and providing some real good advice and encouragement and helping me get over like a certain hump and being a factor, like giving me confidence to move along and bring this show to life because you guys are very helpful there and then working me through, you know, getting through this to, you know, end my old show, go to this one. Yeah. And, like, thank you guys so much because this new show has been just a blast. Yeah, you're killing it, man. You're doing really, fantastic. But I mean, you guys are very, there's people instrumental behind the scenes in helping the show to come to life. And you were there. You, I like gave you the, the track for the, the theme to listen to. Oh, I'm I gave, so, I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So yeah. So there's a lot of people that I don't think people realize it's a factor. I know the show's got my name, it's got my voice, but there's a lot of people that have helped out and helped bring it to life. And you, you got, you both were uh, of that nature, and so very much a thanks for that. And I got you on a show. I've been meaning for years to get you on, and here we are. Let's dive into our gift guide for games this holiday season. I'm gonna lay. I'm gonna lay a disclaimer for my listeners here. Nick is the expert and lead on this. I am not much of a gamer these days. <laughs> my knowledge is being that of like my kids and their obsession with Roblox, Five Nights at Freddy's, and the Switch games that we might play when I get the time. And I'm also I tend to be into retro gaming stuff like the little emulators. So I definitely have lost touch in this arena and am super uncool. So. We're going to have Nick take us through here with things, and I might ask things of him that I know from other mediums that happen that might not happen with games. So bear with me, folks, and Nick will show his patience with me as well. <laughs> First off, are there any, like, this year's special games being released on Black Friday? Are there, like, any being held off for that day, like, be it digital or console games they're like we're dropping on black friday no the game industry as a whole kind of likes to try and avoid black friday itself because of the competition gotcha gotcha um because gamers aren't gonna typically aren't your primary target audience for a black friday kind of thing so no one no one wants to release on a day when there's not going to be any oxygen left in the room gotcha Typically by Black Friday actually is is usually the end of the AAA season. So most of AAA I have released by Black Friday. We're locked in. All the titles that are going to be available are out. This year is a notable exception though, because Cyberpunk 2077, which is probably the biggest game of this season, has gotten delayed again and isn't coming out till December 10th. Okay. So this wouldn't this year is by all metrics this year is weird. Oh yeah. Uh, one, there's a global pandemic. Two, we've got a hardware sale this year. We have new console generations released. Mm-hmm. If you don't already have one, you're not getting one. I can tell they're all gone. 
this year. The PS5 just, as of recording here, dropped last week. And then the new Xbox dropped last week, or like a couple days before that. Yep. And so those are out. There's a new games. None of them are going to be on sale. Nope. <laughs> this console's not. The games aren't. They're going to sell out like crazy. You might luck out. If you watch websites, you might luck out on a return or a small shipment that comes in, maybe. But yeah, if you didn't get them on launch. Yeah, you're, they're gone. I tried to get one. I was uh, able to even pre-order one. I missed the pre-order windows because I tried to put all my chips in Sony's basket for my pre-order because mm-hmm. they were going to release a limited number of pre-orders to PlayStation Network members. And so I put in for that, and I didn't get it. So I didn't get a pre-order. So I was like, on day of release, I was like, I'm going to see what I can do. And it's just been an absolute nightmare because no one is releasing any information about when they're going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Sony was absolutely draconian on their regulations about releasing the PS5. You could not release into retail s- store space. You had to release it online and only allowed for in-person pickup at most because they did not want people well, yeah, physically yeah. in stores competing. Microsoft didn't care. So you could you could physically go into a brick-and-mortar mm-hmm. retailer and still pick up a, a, a Series X. Yeah, I had um, friends picking up PS5s at like 6 a.m. at Best Buy on the day it came out because that's they scheduled yep. times for people to drive up and get it, which I'm good for Sony for being thoughtful like that. Does. Yeah, but all the all the big online releases appear to have been botted up, and so you, you, most of us couldn't get one. PlayStation Direct had the best chance because you still had to have a valid Sony ID to get in. But even they they sold out within seven minutes of every release window. So if you guys if you don't have one of the new consoles now, you're not you're probably not going to get one until twenty twenty one. That's what I'm saying. Enjoy your old one. Right. Buy the version of the game you want for the PS5 and the PS4 version or the Xbox One version. Now, a lot of games that are releasing in this holiday season, at least the AAAs, are releasing with some kind of cross-generational license. Ubisoft is really good about this. All the Ubisoft releases this season, if you buy the PS4 version, comes with a free PS5 license too. Okay. I do believe Call of Duty is like that as well, but I'm not really a Call of Duty player, so okay. I don't know that for certain. I heard there's some bugs with the um, the new the uh, the I guess it's not next generation anymore, but the next generation version of the Call of Duty client this year. The current generation um, version, right? Right, <laughs> right. Um, cool. Do you have any like independent distributors or anything that kind of test games that might have specific sales or? releases patch or any kind of like upgrades that might occur during that time not really there's not a lot of of independent distribution in the game in the video game space let mm-hmm. me put that with the caveat because at the end of the day most, most of the time they're getting hoovered up into these online storefronts via steam or playstation or whatever mm-hmm. so a lot of the rough edges get filed off your best bet to find something interesting there would be if you're a pc game player uh gog.com good old games Gog is actually entirely owned by CDPR, which are the people who make Cyberpunk 2077 and Witcher 3. And like uh, their main page is like, if you buy Cyberpunk 2077, 
through GOG.com, the developers get all of your money, <laughs> trying to incentivize people to go buy it there. Now, the good thing about buying it through GOG is that it comes DRM free because uh, mm -hmm. DRM is a big pain in the ass. So you don't have to worry about it if you get it there. But I, I don't, I don't, there might be discounts on CDPR stuff there, but I don't know for certain. Now, another thing to keep in mind this going forward is that we've hit another price point increase. We haven't had one in a long time. In fact, I think it's been two console generations since we had a, a price point increase. So uh, manufacturers suggested retail price for all new games is no longer $59. It's now $69. So if you still have a PS4, you might want to buy these last great AAA games on PS4 to enjoy the free upgrade into PS5 or Xbox Series X, I guess. Can you tell them I'm a Sony loyalist here? <laughs> because then, you know, you buy at the lower price point and you still carry that forward. So I still picked up my holiday releases, even though I really want to enjoy them the most on the new generation. I'm just going to deal with longer load times for now until the new generation hits, so... So the new graph, the new graphics stuff better, like load time a little bit more fluidity in the movements and detail and sharpness, probably. Yeah, we're not going to see. Well, I don't know. I haven't got my hands on one to, to really test this out, but mm -hmm. we probably won't see it big jumps in graphic fidelity for a bit. And usually when they but move the on to a new console, they haven't even explored enough of the right. previous console to. Right. And you'll usually see the best turnaround in terms of graphics on single party developers like. Sony's in-house developers, they really know how to how to make that that architecture sing and their games look absolutely amazing for it. Ghost of Tsushima was released this year and it's mm -hmm. just absolutely mind-bogglingly beautiful. Even on just a PS4, I cannot wait to see what they can do on PS5. Even if they're just going to upscale the game, that's going to be gorgeous. Which that game uh, is I'll mention it is on sale at a bunch of places for thirty nine ninety nine during this. <laughs> it is, and it is an absolute steal at that price. It's weird to talk about prices because I don't talk about prices in my normal critiques, um, but <laughs> it is absolutely worth it at thirty nine ninety nine. I mean, this is a fifty nine is easily. It's my game of the year. I haven't played Cyberpunk yet. I've played everything else in the slate that's come out that I'm gonna play. Let's put it. Let's be honest. And Cyberpunk is going to have a, a real hard sell to beat mm -hmm. me for Game of the Year over Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima is just an absolute love letter penned to Akira Kurosawa. Oh, uh, I would love this such, game then. Yeah. <laughs> you would. It is absolutely phenomenal. And like, here's a weird, interesting aside. So for Thanksgiving, we host Thanksgiving because we got tired of driving everywhere. <sighs> And our Thanksgiving tradition, my Thanksgiving tradition, let me be clear, is instead of like watching a football game or whatever else people do on Thanksgiving, is we have the traditional Thanksgiving samurai movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so every year we watch at least one classic samurai movie as part of the Thanksgiving festivities. And I, I'm kind of debating just playing Ghost of Tsushima this year since no one else is coming. And you got the time, yeah. Right, but I'm still probably going to watch a movie. So, you gotcha. know. My, my Thanksgiving tradition is Thanksgiving night I watched the movie Blood Rage, which is the Thanksgiving set slasher movie because, you know, there's always one for every holiday. So I watched that one. <laughs>
it's pretty fun. Isn't there a Thanksgiving based slasher movie with a turkey that kills people? Thanksgiving? No. Though maybe, but there's also Home Sweet Home, which is a really cheap, crappy one that uh, has, uh, if you remember Body by Jake, do you remember that guy from like the late 80s, early 90s? He had a sitcom for a while. He was like a, one of those. I'm going to sell you like a shake or look to my fitness stuff. And then, Oh God. Yeah. 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 And he yeah. was the killer right. in this movie and it was, it's from like the early eighties, but that one's from that one is a slash movie, but blood rage is much better. It's really weird. It's about these twins and one of them and when their kids kill somebody at a drive-in movie and the wrong one gets locked up or something and he breaks out and comes back to this apartment complex. It's, it's funny. It's got some good gore. It's, to treat for Thanksgiving, but a lot of people didn't discover it till years ago when it got this really good Blu-ray release, and they mm. finally got the like a full uncut version of it because it would was mainly known on home video and it was all sorts of edited up in the U.S. But we're talking about games. <laughs> we are talking about games. With, that's a, that's a game that interests me. And then I normally with me with my time when I do get to sit down and get a game, I just I start. I realize I haven't played games in a while, so I have to catch up just to normal stuff. And then I just wander away because time gets taken by other things. Like, I am still playing Breath of the Wild on the Switch. <laughs> that's, uh, that's one of my games. And I'll play, like, but then I'll get stuck and be like, I'll just play Mega Man on one of my <laughs> Legends. But that's where I'll get. Uh, so, yeah, we got these new consoles. The, the only one that remains, like, the Switch that hasn't updated well, uh, nintendo's uh uh is no longer a parody with the other two because mm-hmm. we're only about halfway through the switch's life cycle right, right now so i it would be way too early for them to drop a new one they did the switch <sighs> light recently which why yeah <laughs> well they need that cheaper price point to get it in more kids hands is, right, is honestly I guess so, the yeah. answer yeah i don't know i kind of half expect nintendo to, to to mess up whatever their next iteration is because that always seems to be their... Well, yeah, because they, they had the do. Wii and then the Wii U, which is like, meh, and then, ah, the Switch. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they had the SNES and the N64, and right. say what you will, the N64 was a subpar console because they committed themselves they had some to great cartridge-based technology at the time. Yeah. yeah. It did. It did have some great stuff, but it was all it was all single party. Like there was no there was no really good third party games on the N sixty four. Right. They they do really well with handheld systems though. So maybe maybe this is the time when they finally are able to just be the I don't know, man. Well, I th- I feel I like know. they've started they're, embracing embracing themselves a bit more rather than chasing after the others. I mean, they're they're more into the interactive. I don't know, physical. Yeah. And no, and, yeah, they're and always extremely committed to principal play. Yeah. So they they want to do things that are fun, inherently and organically, and they're usually setting trends. They're not following them. So mm-hmm. I say just let them be them for the right, most yeah. part. And I think since at post GameCube, that's where they've been. Yeah, mostly. But Man, we, I missed the we, GameCube. You, yeah, I I had one when college. That was my system. Everybody else had the PS two. And then uh, the Xbox, and I, yeah. had, I had the, the GameCube. I like yeah. that. I like that controller a lot. People were really confused by it, but I'm like, actually, it makes sense with your hands. Like, it really does. It does. It was just so hard to adapt anything. Yeah. To it because it had such specific. Button. Yeah, the, like you said, know, third party games. The GameCube is still yeah. one of the best games ever made. Oh yeah, Resident Evil. The Resident Evil remake was awesome on there too. I like that. Yeah, it was. 
It yeah. was. That was, I think, my first or my second remake of Resident mm-hmm. Evil that I've I've had because now I'm up to like seven. Right. And Eternal Darkness, that was a fun one oh, for a bit God. on there. Yeah. We have been in talks with uh, Dennis Dyack, the, the creative genius behind that game, to try and get him on the, on the show. And so far, he's been relatively reluctant to do it. He has kind of a sordid past with games after Eternal Darkness. It kind of just goes downhill from there. Mm. Like, it got really bad. Like, he was accused of basically embezzlement sort of of taxpayer money from oh. some Canadian game development funds. He and like uh he got involved in a court case with Unreal where they they accused him of using the Unreal assets in his engines and to the point where his last game got pulled off the shelves because the court said that you, they that they did. They broke copyright by using Unreal assets in the game. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so he's been really hesitant about doing any kind of press game oriented wise but if i can convince him i just want to talk about eternal darkness i'm still hoping he'll come on i also loved two human which was the game he did that was really ahead of its time that unfortunately wasn't really finished Mm -hmm. uh otherwise it would have been amazing so yeah who knows Let's uh let's ha- let's look at some of these Black Friday deals going on now. The big one, console wise, we said no consoles were on sale, but there's a Nintendo right. a Nintendo Switch bundle that all the stores are touting, which is it's the Switch, three months of Nintendo Online, and Mario Kart Eight Deluxe for three hundred dollars. So that's that's the the that's, gift that's, that kids are gonna have this year. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good deal, especially if you have younger kids. I mean, that's the fantastic entry into a Switch. Mm-hmm library and i have mario kart i play mario i play that one i know that right. one right it's a fun game yeah it I is it's one. fantastic it's still got legs underneath it it's crazy uh, you can just keep doing mario kart again and again and again and you're like yep still still, still good. there still good the most interesting black friday deal i did find i did look was watchdogs legion uh it's mm-hmm. actually going to go on sale that's a ps5 version game too right it yep. is available PS5. It just came out like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it's half off on Black Friday for thirty bucks. Yeah, this should be a warning. It's not a it's not a fantastic game. I enjoy this game. I enjoy Legion, but a lot of people don't. Gotcha. The idea with Legion is there's no main character, like there's no established character. Mm. But you don't build one either. Instead, what what the the whole Legion shtick is. There's theoretically like 10 million different combinations of NPCs available in the in the virtual London they have because this one's set in London, which is super irritating to drive in, by the way, as, as somebody from North America, specifically, you know, the United States, because I'm constantly driving on the wrong side of the road and I keep getting into the passenger <laughs> side of the car. But any of the NPCs you encounter in the world are recruitable if you do enough time and can convince them to join your cause and then you can play as them. Okay. And there's an there's a permadeath mode that you can enable too, which of course I did, where if an agent dies while they're out on a mission, they just stay dead. So if your super cool hitman guy or your spy dies, they're just not part of your team anymore. Okay. Now it's a great concept. It's got a decent amount of content. It just needed more time in the oven. Because what they're going for here is an emergent gameplay when the natural organic mechanisms of your game, when they just start chugging on on their own, they create really interesting narrative surfaces where you, you can kind of like fill in the, 
the dots or you can just kind of witness and explore and and see how interesting that is. They're doing this really well with what they're doing here because all of these people have other NPCs in the world that they're connected to. And sometimes if somebody is hard to convince, you will have to go to their friends or their family and convince those people first to make your actual target easier to recruit. And all of these people have schedules where they wander around the the world and they go to locations doing stuff uh, and they theoretically have agendas of things they want to do. Um, and I, I love it. This it's, it's really interesting and it's, it's really wide. Unfortunately, it's a little shallow and it starts to get repetitive. Okay. This game really needed more time and they really needed to add more depth to this emergent approach. It's just, it's so labor intensive because it's so much stuff to build in. So it doesn't feel old and stale. However, at 30 bucks, I can't argue like that's that's totally worth it. Like if you haven't picked it up, give it a shot. Like I I love Ubisoft games. Watch Dogs is probably my least favorite franchise of theirs, mm-hmm. which is a little weird because uh, the Watch Dogs logo is basically a, a six pointed star that's uh, drawn with one line. Uh, that's called a universal hexagram. And I have that tattooed on my arm. Oh, and so one of the jokes is people think that I'm just this huge watchdogs fan uh, that I went out and got a tattoo of their logo. And I'm like, no, I didn't. It's just a, but now I'm like, okay, I'm kind of a watchdogs fan, I guess. Um, this one was good. I think two is better, but this one's, this one's good. It's interesting. Uh, and I'm really a big fan of novelty in my gameplay experiences. As I get older, I get a little jaded. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when a triple a, uh, is willing to to do something experimental or or to try something refreshing. I really want to reward that. Um, and even if it's not perfect, I think there's plenty of room for them to develop. And I have to say this with a giant caveat because there's an online mode for this game that hasn't even been released yet. So oh. I have no idea what that's going to look like. Gotcha. That could be amazing. Yeah. But unfortunately, you won't know what it is either at the time when the sale happens because online doesn't come until December. Oh, okay. But you can prep. Right. I've been waiting to talk about this game. I'm really glad I found an excuse to talk about it here because I can't talk about it on my podcast until online comes out because I feel like I only be talking about half the game. You could do two parts. Right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I could. I could. I could. I ended up doing two parts on Ghost of Tsushima because uh, I didn't even know that there was going to be an online version of that game, I think, when we recorded the first take on the single player experience and then they surprised us all and they're like surprise there's a co-op mode coming and we're like okay another episode boom right that's the magic of game podcasting yeah there you go um let's take a look at see i got target on my list first with these black friday games and they they they're they have looks like they're just kind of throwing general categories here there wasn't any really Big door busters. I mean, they have. Well, it said Ghost of Tsushima, Watch Dogs Legion is thirty nine ninety nine. They have Crash Bandicoot four for the thirty nine ninety nine. Luigi's Mansion, Mario U Deluxe, and Mario Maker two for thirty nine ninety nine. But most of those are like thirty games twenty nine ninety nine. Xbox or over fifty games twenty four ninety nine. Over sixty games fourteen ninety nine. Over fifty games nine ninety nine. And Age and quality is probably going into those prices right? with the, with the games. Uh, but since you brought up Target, uh, Target's interesting as far as a retail, retailer goes. 
Uh, so let's talk about that a bit. Now, uh, Target recently invested pretty heavily into the board game space, way more than any other brick-and-mortar retailer did. Right. They've got a 50% off going for that, too, yeah. Yeah, and whoever their buyer is for their board game uh, section is fantastic. They have made some really amazing choices, and honestly, I think they're really pushing the industry um, forward, and they're making a lot of these really good board games much more broadly available right and yeah the best example of this is actually available right now on the shelves at target there's this giant juggernaut of a board game called gloomhaven and it's the price tag on this thing is about 100 to 120 bucks and it comes with a like a whole bunch of of miniatures and you can play a whole bunch of different classes and there's a whole bunch of different campaigns to do it's an amazing experience. It's awesome. It's totally overwhelming for most people. Um, but Target ended up, I think, I don't know if they did this specifically for Target. I see it. It is available other places now, but I think initially it was only at Target. Mm-hmm. Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion is 50 bucks and is available on the shelves at Target wow. as I speak. And it's basically a real stripped down version of Gloomhaven where it's like one campaign, four classes, and they've cut down a lot of, they did a lot of quality of life improvements with the record key and the maintenance and all that kind of stuff. And it's fantastic. Like if you've got somebody that's really into board games and they haven't played this mm-hmm. yet, or somebody that might want to get into more advanced board games, this is, this is the way to go. Like you got to do that. And another shout out for Target in the sense that they're carrying the D&D starter sets. Right. Yeah. So that's a fantastic idea. The back wall of the toy section is literally yes. games. And I'll echo what you said because I've noticed going through there, and I'm a light tabletop gamer. I don't get to play as much as I'd like to. They display them in a good way that they look interesting, you see, and they point out that stuff is new or maybe a result of a Kickstarter. They tend to point out the where they come from as well, not just like, Here, here's, some, here's some games, go play. But they have a section with the D&D stuff. They have just... It looks fun, though, and they're just shelves yeah. with games. But the way they've ordered them makes it look like, what am I gonna pick? Like it looks really attractive, and they've done a really good job between you know really commercial games and these little independent and startup games that it's uh, that a big retailer would invest in that. That's yeah, I I still can't get over the fact they're doing a real fantastic job uh, with all this like introductory level kind of new board game stuff especially like european stuff that's coming out they're Mm -hmm. they're getting almost all of it and it's like this it's great like i can see a real a real positive downstream influence if target is willing to absorb a lot of the shelf space for this introductory concept Mm -hmm. to build an entire population of board gamers that will then be able to go out and support their local game stores where you can find the meteor denser thicker more substantial games out there with regularity so that they don't have to use their self their shelf space trying to convince random people to come in off the street to start this hobby so if they can start them at a giant brick and mortar then yes let's do that and anything that supports tabletop role-playing games because you will never believe how thin the margin or the return on investment that those games make mm-hmm. i cannot Yes, please support more Dungeons and Dragons. Even if it's just Dungeons and Dragons, it's the you know elephant in the room. Everyone right. starts there for a reason, so that's fine. We'll 
well, just get get me more D&D players because in 10 years, those D&D players will get into some weird stuff. So, or become creators of the weird stuff, which is right. always great. Yeah, that's a, that's, I mean, that's a source of creativity. Like people come like from playing that they, they create, you know, books, movies, TV, like all that stuff. Games come yeah. from. And as a parent, like D and D has been amazing. Like I can't think of a better way to actively try to teach like creativity and imagination, but also like careful reading of rules and regulations, things like that. And so there's no downside for the most part. I mean, every group of 12 year olds is going to turn into a bunch of murder hobos when they play D and D, but we all did it. It's just part of the process. Rite of passage. (laughs) Right. Rite of passage. Yeah. Target, just any notable sale games that you'd pick over at target before we move on to, um, uh, the Spider-Man one is probably pretty good. I don't know how that works. In, they, they just redid it. Uh, this is the Sony exclusive PlayStation one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just redid it for PlayStation 5 with the Miles Morales Miles stuff. Mar- yeah. I think you can get that as DLC to plug into if you already own the previous game. Okay. So this could be a pretty easy way to get in cheap All right. there. Usually by the time it hits a, a sale price that attractive at a, at a big box store, you already know what you're looking for. Right. Or There's what a lot works of, for you. So. A lot of the sports games that are going to get replaced in yeah. at some point next year. That's where they they uh, tack them off comes in there but uh yeah there's and there's a lot of titles that float around the same prices across these stores as well um that you'll see like uh, last of us part two that's 30 bucks pretty much everywhere yeah i've seen and the spider-man game is 20 bucks so we go to on to best buy here similar sales and target did have the avengers game is 30 bucks there stay away from it tony hawk pro skater one and two uh, Outer Worlds, and I said just lots of sports games. Doom Eternal's twenty bucks. Red Dead Redemption two. So it's like games that have been out, like nine ninety nine. Gods of War, Gods of War, and will be the show twenty. So definitely some old stuff. They did have. I mean, they did seem to make more of their stuff visible through their Black Friday ad. Target was just like all oh, this. And here's a couple of them. But Best Buy was more specific with what's on sale. Yeah, it's a little more niche, but uh, Best Buy has a has a deal on Persona Five Royal. Uh, Persona Five is this uh, character driven Japanese RPG mm-hmm. um, that historically Persona has been a very niche kind of thing, but uh, Persona Five has been a lot more popular than any other entries were, and deservedly so. It's an amazing game. Royal is the Persona Five base game with a bunch of additional content and. Generally, with a new release like this, they make some quality of life improvements. I haven't actually played Royal, mm-hmm. though, so I don't know what kind of quality of life improvements may, they've made in this one, but they, they have historically in the past. And at $20, like you need to play Persona 5 just to see if you like it um, because it's it's that cool. Like It's, it's fantastic. It is amazing. It is uh, an excellent argument for games' art. At twenty bucks, just do it. Just do just it. Do. And I, I did notice one one thing Best Buy had that they were showing off of the others is they had the 
a couple VR games. They had uh, Iron Man oh, VR. Oh, man, VR, yeah. Uh, Everybody Golf VR and Batman <sighs> Arkham VR for nine ninety nine. The Iron Man and the Golf were 20 bucks each, but they I didn't see those advertised much anywhere else for the VR. Yeah, I wondered if you're going to bring up VR. VR is a bit of a as a bit of a difficult nut to crack right now because you're kind of locked into what you already own when it comes to VR. There's no full-on self-enclosed VR system right. yet, really. So it's it, do you have a PC or like a, a a computer that that can that's beefy enough to run a VR helmet, or do you have a PlayStation so you can get the PlayStation VR? The most attractive headset in the hardware space going into this holiday holiday season is going to be the Oculus. I think their cheapest set comes in about two hundred bucks, but this has a big caveat on it as well. In my day to day job, I'm I'm kind of very concerned about privacy, and Oculus has now made a Facebook account absolutely required for oh. using their VR headset, which means that Facebook is going to have all of your gameplay data available to it in the VR. So everything that you do with that VR is going to, they're going to have access to everything. They said they weren't going to do this when they bought Oculus. They apparently changed their minds. Is your privacy worth enough to you to pay theoretically up to double for a VR headset? I don't know. I'm not buying an Oculus. So that's what I got to say about that. VRs. <laughs> I like VR. VR is very interesting, but I haven't I haven't seen the I haven't I haven't seen that the 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 game that really makes the argument for the establishment as a new genre. Resident Evil Seven comes close. I've heard good things about Alex. I haven't played it. I have seen some really interesting, basically tech demos or concept pieces when it comes to VR, but it's still not it's still not something that I'd be willing to do on a day to day basis for everyday gaming. Gotcha. I don't know. Maybe it's just too much of an apparatus. You got to put on the headset and you got to get the hand, you know, and everybody looks kind of stupid when they're playing VR. So I think that's actually part (laughs) of it from a social perspective is that none of us wants to look stupid playing games. Gotcha. Uh, Although we already do. (laughs) You mentioned uh, Resident Evil. Uh, Best Buy does have Resident Evil 2 and 3 for the PS4 for fourteen. Oh, those are good. Those are fantastic remakes. Capcom has been really nailing it mm-hmm. in the past couple of years. They were not doing well for for a bit. I mean, they had some some. The Monster Hunter team has always been fantastic, but they really let them off the chain with mm-hmm. Monster Hunter World, and that is just playing absolute dividends hand over fist. And I I cannot wait to see what that team is capable of doing in the future. If you haven't played Monster Hunter World yet. It's going to be on sale. Get it. Just, it's amazing. And there's been so much additional content they've released for it. And most of it's been for free. Iceborne is, you do have to pay for the Iceborne expansion, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I have like 500 hours in Monster Hunter World. Quickly, Walmart, uh, they have Switch games for $30, $28 sports games for all systems, and then many titles for 15, 20, 25, and 30. And they are the usual suspects we've been going over so far here so that's walmart place to check if you're they're out of what you're looking for somewhere else <laughs> and GameStop, they've got doorbusters a lot of a lot of places have been early black fridaying this year because i think they know the traffic's not going to be there and they get as much as you can 
So there's not a lot of huge doorbuster things, and there's stuff just you can go right now and buy things. But they got the Watch Dogs Legion there for thirty two ninety nine. That Avengers game you said to watch out for might not be worth the twenty six ninety nine they have. No, for. it is not. Uh, that uh-huh. game is collapsing on itself like a neutron star, uh-huh. and it's not. It's not worth it. It's bad. I this I don't know from direct experience because everything I've heard has been pretty pretty bad. Gotcha. Uh, Mortal Kombat eleven twenty six ninety nine. And Star Wars Squadron 1699. Those are their doorbusters. The remainder of stuff is a bit of an up and down, either slightly better deal or slightly worse than the other places. And they, they too have the Mario Kart bundle for the Switch and 50% off Switch games. And I, I will say Star Wars Squadron is actually a really good game if that's if it it's primarily an arcade mm-hmm based star fighter experience so it's not like a full-on flight sim it's much more you know it's much more interesting for them let's be honest than a true flight sim experience but it's a good solid game and i've heard absolutely fantastic things about the multiplayer so uh, if that all appeals to you that's definitely worth the price of admission right there gotcha. other way uh also uh last year's uh, jedi fallen order that is oh, on that's sale. a good game that's on sale across the board at places so you can probably pick that one up cheap if you don't have it or you have a loved one that likes star wars and hasn't played it yet the one thing that gamestop has above the others since they sell pre-owned titles you have a buy two get two free for old system used games so we're talking like the wii uh we're talking the ps3 stuff like that and they have a buy two get one free for the modern systems used game which probably aren't going to be the xbox series x or playstation 5 but yeah, there's just not going to be the used inventory for this. So, yeah. Lastly, I have Costco, which the only notable thing there is they they have a Switch bundle. It is not three hundred dollars. It does not come with a game. It is a it's three hundred sixty nine dollars, but comes with an additional wireless wireless controller, which is not a Joy-Con, just a wireless controller. And they mm. think it's worth sixty nine more dollars. I disagree Switch, strongly. Which you can take the Joy-Con if you want and use them as two for right. Mario Kart if you're going to hold off. So just so right. you know, while it looks like one, it is two. Uh, but I was like, what? The- Costco, you're supposed to be the deal. Right. <laughs> or, or $369 and you get three games right. and the controller. But no, this is their- so they're hoping, I'm guessing, that those Black Friday bundles sell out and people have to go to Costco and get that one. I guess this sixty nine dollars, but <sighs> switches sell out here and there all the time. When the pandemic they started, oh, man, they were yeah. gone. They, they were. were gone, and a lot of people bought those switch lights because that was the only thing left. Right, and also like Animal Crossing <clears throat> had the absolute oh, best right, launch yeah. date in history because they were like, "Here's an idyllic pastoral virtual life that you can enjoy while you're locked into the." boring dystopia that is your real life while you're you know trying to hide from a pandemic ravaging the earth and everyone was like yay i want to feel good let's go play animal crossing i mean we spent a month doing that here so gotcha yeah that's uh that's it for the black friday now nick before we wrap this up i want give me five games that regardless of the time of year regardless of if they're out or not yet at least hopefully before you know holiday gift giving time whether it be hanukkah or christmas or whatever one you're celebrating five games that you just think these work as a great gift no matter what the occasion sure i think cyberpunk 2077 is going to be 
that's going to be probably the game of the year across the board for most people. It's definitely the most anticipated game this year. Beyond that, since I haven't actually you know seen it or experienced it yet, I would definitely say Ghost of Tsushima. Unfortunately, this is a console exclusive for PlayStation because it's one of Sony's. I'm sure we have PlayStation listeners. Right. But I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you're an Xbox player or a PC player, you know, that's just not going to be an option for you. It will never come out for any other format. <sighs> Apparently, I'm an Ubisoft nerd. So Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I just put in some more hours on that before we started recording this. And I got to say, I really love Valhalla. Like Valhalla might be my second favorite Assassin's Creed game. It's really good. They've really fixed a lot of the problems from a gameplay perspective that has plagued this franchise for a while and has been especially bad during this reboot season because we're basically three games into the reboot of the franchise or the soft reboot of the franchise where they were Mm -hmm. like, you know what? Maybe we should stop just turning out shit every (laughs) year. Like maybe, maybe we should make these games playable before we release them. And then we went off from a yearly schedule to a biannual schedule, which has done nothing but made much better games, but they've still had their problems. Valhalla fixes almost all of those. And then, but unfortunately now it's gotten to the part where honestly, the things that make an Assassin's Creed game an Assassin's Creed game, the Assassin's Creediness of it, if you will, are kind mm-hmm. of getting in the game's way. Like, I'm kind of tired of this this Assassin versus Templar dynamic. It doesn't fit everywhere. Like, it fits for a game about the Crusades because that made sense. It doesn't really make sense in 9th century Britain. It just doesn't do it. Like, 10th century Britain? Whatever. It, it doesn't really work there. And so this overarching meta plot is like this albatross on this franchise's neck now. <laughs> and I really wish they would just get over it and just be like, you know what? We're just going to make uh, very loosely thematically linked games that are all open world and historically based. And everyone will go cool. We don't have to keep all of this ridiculous lore in our heads about who the assassins and Templars are shagging now and what they're doing about it. Beyond that, I did enjoy Watch Dogs Legion. It may not be everybody's cup of tea. I definitely think it's worth trying out. And for my Dark Horse pick, uh, I'm going to go with Genshin Impact, which is a weird choice to make for a holiday gift (laughs) (laughs) segment because it's free to play. But it is crazy popular. I'm going to say this with with another caveat because apparently I'm using that word a lot this, this episode. But... I do have some very serious privacy concerns about this game's PC client. The PC client seems to install a rootkit uh, that accesses your kernel uh, even after you try to uninstall it. So I cannot recommend that you play this on PC. However, something that's more hardened structurally, like a PlayStation or a console, uh, give it a go. It's actually pretty fun. Uh, the core gameplay loop in this is way more fun than it deserves to be. And I kind of dismissively call it the Chinese Zelda or the Chinese Breath of the Wild because okay. that's basically what the core gameplay loop is. It's very much Breath of the Wild, but it does have this free-to-play grind aspect to it at the back end. I've done a fair amount with it. Jonathan is hideously addicted. 
<laughs> so there's some merit to the game. It is genuinely fun and it is interesting. And it's definitely one of the best free-to-play games that I've I've played in a long time. So yeah, that's my list. That'll wrap us up for this gaming edition of the Holiday Gift Guide. Thank you, Nick, so much. I appreciate your picks, your advice, and I'm sure my listeners have. And it's been a real treat having you on the show. So let everybody know where they can keep up with you and the Adventures of Literate Gamer. Yeah, uh, you can find our podcast basically everywhere. If you can't find it on whatever it is, your preferred podcast thing, like I think one of the platforms, our RSS feed actually broke and I never went back to fix it. I think I emailed them at one point and I was like, hey, this is broken. They're like, no, nah, it's right. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's mine. But I don't think that went anywhere. <sighs> Honestly, most of my traffic comes through Apple Podcasts. So that's yeah, everybody. <laughs> right? Yep. That's the that's they want to tell you Spotify is popular, but I've seen my Spotify numbers. They're not bad. Honestly, I think Spotify might be my my third highest. Gotcha. Well, yeah, it's, third one highest. The, it's one of the better ones, but I get a lot. Of, I get a lot of Stitcher listeners too. Uh, I get almost no Stitcher listeners anymore. Yeah. I used to get a lot, although I actually I don't know that I've checked in a while. Hmm. But I kind of I kind of stopped worrying about Stitcher early in the game. Um, gotcha. I was just like, mm, I'm getting by on a, on on. I on never Apple listen podcasts. to anything on it, but right. <laughs> but I know people do. It's like, okay. But you can find us online at literategamer.com. Uh, it is a production of Octopus Park, so you can also find us at octopuspark.com. I tweet on occasion at, at literategamer on Twitter. Uh, you can like us on Facebook if you want to, but I am like criminally bad at social media engagement and particular Facebook usage. And I like to say it's for philosophical reasons and not because I'm lazy. I don't know where else you'd want to find us, but you. Nick's address is. No. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. Um, <laughs> just in case, I'm gonna leave. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Um, I got all I needed. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. My written works on WhyStillBlue.com. The Brandon Peter Show returns tomorrow with guest Stephanie Crawford from A House of a Reasonable Amount of Horrors and a frequent guest on the Just the Disc podcast as we shift the gift guide to Blu-rays. Until then, remember to keep the positivity in your online holiday gift guide discussions. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetersshow.com. show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.